Hello and welcome to All Things Small Business, brought to you by DAU. I'm Ken Karka, DAU Small Business Learning Director. This series is offered as a continuing dialogue between government, industry, and academia on acquisition-related issues that impact small businesses who support the critical defense industrial base. Let's join today's conversation. Welcome to All Things Small Business. I'm your host, Anthony Rotolo, and this is the show where acquisition and small business meet. We bring together business owners, contract experts, policymakers, and stakeholders, and we explore the issues facing small business and acquisition professionals as they work together to overcome challenges in a government and defense context. Today, we're speaking with the founders of MMC Consulting, a certified woman-owned small business. MMC was started by the team of Jennifer and Richard Hanks. Founded in 2017, MMC Consulting is a solutions provider for clients working primarily in the areas of business process improvement, acquisition lifecycle support, and workforce development. The firm has supported the U.S. Agency for International Development and FEMA, and as individuals, they have worked with GSA, USDA, and several other municipal and private clients. Jennifer and Richard, welcome to All Things Small Business. Thank you, Anthony, for having us, and a special thank you to Michelle Courier and DAU for having us as well. I am a fan, as I shared with you, of this podcast, and so this is something we're happy to be a part of. Well, we're a new venture, so I'm so happy that you found us. This little, little effort so far, uh, podcast starts very small, and it takes a bit of word of mouth for them to grow. So I'm so happy you found us, and I hope you'll spread the word and that you can share this interview when we're done. Now, all businesses have a genesis story. I imagine you had talents and a vision that lent yourself to this venture. Let's start at the beginning. I wanted to get a sense of your background what was it that motivated you to decide to launch your small business? How did it begin? Sure. So I'll start a little bit with my background. I have a Bachelor of Music and am a classically trained professional violist. So, you know, one might say, how did I get here? What am I doing in federal contracting? I decided I didn't want to pursue music professionally. And so I moved back home um, and living with my parents I needed a job if I was ever going to move out. So I decided to fax my resume, um, which is, you know, dating myself a little bit, but fax my resume and they happened to be a government contractor. And my first assignment was to assist on a bid protest. So I had no idea what a bid protest was. And I learned very quickly that that is the least desirable function to work on in federal contracting. But I learned a lot during that process and uh, pretty much, that was my my eye opener to to this industry and and how it parlayed into many opportunities since then. And so I have stayed in this space for over fifteen years, and it's become a passion. And um, that's why we're here today. It, so my background is totally opposite of Jennifer's. I originally uh, started out working in investment banking, and then transitioned into real estate pretty soon thereafter. And then went to graduate school, came to DC area. In part of my real estate business, I met Jennifer. We started dating. And so during the course of the time that we were together, I 
realized that Jennifer had a unique skill set that would be very uh, advantageous in us starting a business. And I told her, you know, several years that she should look into the possibility of starting a firm. And at at some point, she got to the point where she was ready to move forward. And that's something we'll talk about a little bit later. But, you know, my background is more analytical, finance, accounting, and I am serving in that function with our business. And I think that it's, that's what's going to help us grow to the next level. That's a great story. I love the uh, the compliment of your talents. I may have to amend the whole intro. The whole, oh, This is the place where business and acquisition and lovebirds meet. Uh, so uh, it's, no, it's just a great story. But I, I you know, this um, partnership that is a, a marriage of business skills really is pretty amazing. So thank you for that history. And to add on to that, prior to starting the business, I was working for an organization called E3 Federal Solutions at the time, and they are now uh, have grown into Advantis Federal. And I was working with them in the realm of acquisition support. And I realized that there was becoming a challenge as I continued to grow in the profession and with the organization and with our clients, that my skill set was a bit unique uh, for most. And there was a challenge working with um, them in terms of finding my place within the organization that was beneficial to the organization, but also beneficial in terms of where I saw my career going in the future. And we had tried several different ways to figure out what that would look like. And during that time, they were also going through a transition in terms of being acquired by another um, organization. And so I understood that that was part of the challenge for all parties was Not only is Jennifer transitioning in her professional career, the organization is transitioning and it just became a challenge, right? And so during that time, I was constantly thinking about what is my next move? Like, what do I really want to do? Where's my passion? Where's my skill set best served? And it always went back to starting our business and being able to create our own path, right? Uh, Within the same field. And so When I tendered my resignation last year, they were kind enough to say, you know, their immediate response was, do you want to be a subcontractor for us? And I immediately said yes. And so it's been a a great relationship. I was lucky enough to be able to have open conversations with their leadership team. We still collaborate today. And it's one of those things of understanding what your needs are, what the organization's needs are and trying to make the most of it. And I think that we were able to accomplish that. And, you know, we live in this age of disruption. So there's a lot of transformation happening all the time. DAU itself is very outwardly, publicly going through a a transformation. We have a new logo to help communicate that. But from the enterprise level down to the individual, we're always reinventing. So I'm hearing in you that going from a musician to a business person, and then these finer tunings and what you were doing. It's just a, a constant path of reinvention. So what, what a challenge. And now in this COVID era where the government wants to do business rapidly to meet urgent needs, I've been doing a lot of interviews that underscore that principle a lot. We're finding new pathways and new ways to reinvent how we do business, what our roles are. So it's just kind of exciting to hear that in microcosm with you and and how your business kind of gelled and what you're doing now. 
But about your business, if you could tell us a little bit more in particular about what you're doing in your business and what is the three to five year horizon goal set look like? So my background in acquisition lifecycle management began when I was serving as a contracting officer at USAID. And following my experience at USAID, I started providing support to GSA FedSim, where they provide assisted acquisition services to other federal agencies. And so what that means is they write requirements and award contracts for other government agencies. And so being a part of that process I came to quickly understand what the needs are of federal contracting offices, understanding the staffing needs that they have, the challenges that they have in terms of the skill set of their staff. And so that brought about our capability to provide support staff to the contracting offices via contract specialists that support the contracting officers. And within providing that level of um, support via personnel, We also use our business uh, methodologies to aid in the development of that workforce, both the government workforce and the contracting staff to provide a solution as opposed to just deliverables. And so we focus on providing the solutions to best meet the needs of those acquisition offices. And the workforce development component is just that. It's a component of that total solution and making sure that They have the level of staff that they need to get the work done and to maintain certain levels of productivity, as well as having qualified staff to deliver on those needs as well. Yeah, so it sounds like the difference between deeply understanding the need versus just like throwing bodies at whatever their staffing thing on paper looks like. That is correct. So we try to, once we are are working with our our federal uh, client, you know, we take an observation in terms of, okay, we understand that they want us to provide support and personnel, but in what other areas can we add some value? And we believe our value is helping to make sure that they have the staff at the levels that they need them and to be able to produce at, you know, DOD is talking about speed. They're talking about innovation. And so we want to help them to meet those needs in terms of delivering the best quality product in the most efficient manner. Yeah, you're you're getting the right talent. This is human capital management and exactly getting the right mix of talent for their projects. Now, how did you establish the business? What did you have to do to establish the business? So the first thing we had to do is commit to being entrepreneurs. And uh, using the role we, I think for me, at least half of my career has been spent in entrepreneurial endeavors, some of them good, some of them not not as great as I would have liked them to be. But I've always thought that the best way to fully actualize yourself and, and your value that you can bring to the marketplace is by having some bent of entrepreneurial spirit or at least being in an organization that values that. And so once Jennifer and I committed to moving the business forward, we had to set up a plan of how do you execute the transition from being working for an organization to owning an organization. And part of it is financial. You have to make sure that you have the money in place. And we look at it either three to six months is what we often talk about is as an individual or, or adult couple, maybe you can get away with having three months of your expenses in the bank. Um, if you have a family, you may want to push that out to about six months, making sure that was set up in place. Or if you're a partnership, whereas one person is working full time while the other person is starting the business, then you can go at it that way. And so when Jennifer transitioned out of her full-time employment, 
I still had a full-time job. And as she said, she was fortunate of her current employer was like, hey, we have a contract, subcontracting opportunity for you. She had another subcontracting opportunity and got to the point where she needed me to step in and provide a greater level of support. So I then transitioned out of my full-time job so I could build a back office. And so what my role is primarily is making sure we have the accounting, financial, human resource, and other back office support areas fully built out because oftentimes we think about it, are you going to be an entrepreneur or are you setting up an entrepreneur enterprise? We're looking at ourselves as the latter. And so next year, it's all about building that foundations of growth. And then three years from now, the thought process is that we'll be fully engrossed in our business. We'll be an established woman-owned small business. We'll also get go through the 8A process. And at that point, we will be delivering to our clients kind of how we think about it is above the contractual obligation. And then it's like five years from now, you're halfway through the 8A program. What's the next phase of your business? Do you have that transition lined up so that when you can no longer get that set aside, you're also able to compete in the open marketplace? And looking at some of our teaming partners, the E3 Federal Solutions that's now Advantis and also the Seven Cents Consulting, they've gone through that process. And so we're looking to learn from them. And so that's the other thing as far as setting up our business. We were fortunate because Jennifer has been in this field for 15 years and she's established a lot of relationships that allow us to not only build a pipeline, but also start to build those teaming relationships that help small business transition from being just a a mom and pop shop to a full-fledged enterprise. Yeah, I love that answer. Being an entrepreneur is a leap and it's very prudent of, you know, just going back to the basics of having kind of a, a runway in front of you financially until you achieve some liftoff. And then I understand there's a set of other increments along the horizon. You're, you're going through the 8A program and you're becoming more and more self-sustaining along the way. And the ultimate goal would be to have this mature organization that's delivering value beyond the contractual obligation. Yes. And I'd like to add to that. I think um, in terms of some of the basic logistics operating in the federal contracting community, you're obviously going to have to do your SAM registration. If you're of a set-aside economic category, you'll have to do those certifications as well. And so we had to go through the change of the Women-Owned Small Business Program. We were originally um, self-certified and we transitioned to the current certified status and understanding how those systems work and the regulations and the compliance issues that go along with that. I will say fortunate for us and my background, it's very easy for us to navigate those types of things. And I will say for other small businesses that don't have the same level of expertise and experience in this business, is that take the time to educate yourself about what the requirements are to do business with the federal government, because there's a lot of them. And understanding what the compliance requirements are as well are very important to the long-term success of your organization and understanding how the federal government holds small businesses and large businesses accountable is very important to our long-term success. Were there some specific things that felt like hurdles for you to overcome? In establishing our small business within the federal contracting space, we did not experience some of the very immediate challenges that other small businesses might experience. And that, I believe, 
is in part to my experience as a federal contracting officer. I understood what the relevant websites are uh, for businesses to register to do business with the government in terms of applying for our certifications and our designations for socioeconomic status. I understood where to go for those things as well. And so I will say we were fortunate that we didn't have to endure those challenges, but there are other challenges that we have experienced. And similar to any other business, when you're starting off, you're going to have to think about, you know, what's your back offer structure? How do you build your pipeline? Where's your revenue coming from? How do you maintain and control your costs? And particularly for the federal government, one of the biggest challenges that we're facing is the lag time between when you respond to an RFI or an RFQ and when the federal government reviews it, gets back to you, starts the negotiation process, you agree upon the contract, and then you actually start the work. There are some things that we bid on three to four months ago that it looks like we're going to be the uh, awardee, but we have not heard back on whether or not the award is coming through. And so those are some of the things that you have to be ready to deal with. And that's why we say having that three to six months of expenses set aside is really going to be helpful when you're starting off your business. Some of the other things that are coming up is onboarding. How do you bring in new employees? How do you vet them? How do you interview them? How do you make sure that all of the different information that they need and the regulatory requirements are met so that you're not only paying them properly, but you're also meeting the compliance issues that are pit and parcel of being a federal government contractor? I appreciate that sort of a visualization of the pipeline. You have business that you're developing, but they don't just happen immediately. Hence the three to six months planning to what are you going to do in the meantime as you're setting up various things and planning, planning the onboarding. So there, there are so many concerns while you're waiting for you to gain traction with new business. And even once you have the new business, you know, getting up to speed, bringing in those new employees? Are you taking over an existing contract? Are you the the new awardee and you're taking on the existing employees? How do you switch them over from what their current payroll system to your payroll system? You want that transition to be as smooth as possible so that your client at the end of the day doesn't see any disruption in service and they feel that not only are they where they were before they brought you on, but they're actually stepping forward and getting ahead of the game. Now, there are many small business resources and programs out there. Which ones did you use? So in terms of small business resources, it's really important for the small business community to actively engage and perform their um, business development task by working with the Office of Small and Disadvantaged Business Utilization Office uh, within the respective agencies better known as OSDABU, so again, Office of Small and Disadvantaged Business Utilization. They have representatives that advocate for the small business community, and so they are great resources for understanding how to work with the agency and working with you to align you and your capabilities with the right uh, staff and personnel within the agency that has a need for what you might offer. How has that been working out during these COVID times? During COVID, they have been uh, conducting meetings virtually, and they've been sponsoring industry days with the program offices. And so I have attended several, actually, which I have found to be really beneficial. I've been able to network not only with the OSDABU representatives and some of the program office personnel, but also with some of the small and large businesses that are in this community. Additional resources for small businesses include the 
PTACs, which are Procurement Technical Assistance Centers, they also work very closely with small businesses to help them be successful in navigating the federal marketplace. And so we have worked with both the Virginia and the Maryland PTACs. We started with Virginia. I was attending some of their webinars and I tried to become a member and they referred me to the Maryland PTAC because our business is registered in Maryland. And so definitely uh, I recommend connecting with them, preferably the one for, for the state in which your business is registered in as they can provide you with additional support opportunities. Another program that we've taken the chance on is we apply for the Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Business Program. This is a program that's run by Goldman Sachs, John Hopkins University, as well as the Bloomberg Foundation. And what it does is it really serves as an accelerator for small businesses. We hope to hear back in the next week or so whether or not we got into the program. If we do, it's a 12 to 14 week program where they work on you and help you redefine your business plan, strengthen your access to credit and other financial opportunities. And they also set you up with other small businesses in a cohort that allow you to bounce ideas off one another. And one of the things that they promote is they say that the businesses, about 80% of them end up working with other businesses that go through the program with them. And they also accelerate your growth by about 60% within the six months after the program. For us, we thought it'd be really great to get to know some of the other businesses outside of the federal contracting space to just make sure we're not being so myopic in how we're looking at things. Uh, But the other aspect of it is that it gives you a chance to really find out how you stand up with against other businesses that are out there. One of the things that I've learned is that you shouldn't try to reinvent the wheel. Find people that are doing things and doing them very well and figure out if you can apply those different lessons learned to your business in order to help it grow. And so that's one of the other um, things that we're doing as far as a resource to help us expand our business. That sounds very exciting. I hope that you get accepted into that program and and that all those benefits accrue to you. But I can understand the more you know about your peers in a certain business space, the better off you are and you can acquire the best practices from what you see around you. Very, very important. Exactly. Yeah. Now, how uh, you, you, you were speaking to business development before. How do you grow your company to respond to government customer needs? So I think first and foremost is making sure you have the right human resources. Uh, At the end of the day, what we provide to our customers is a set of skills and tools. And whether there's us as the lead on a project or program managers, or if it's the people that we hire that come in and provide acquisition support or other workforce development training, you have to have the right human resources in place. And so one of the great things about uh, my wife is that she has spent the last 15 years not only growing within the acquisition space, but also developing relationships. She originally started as part of the Contract Management Association and Tyson's and worked her way up to president. And I'll let her speak about it a bit more. But as a person that's been watching her along that route, she spent a lot of time giving back to the organization. And I think that she was able to to take that service and transition it into relationships. And through those relationships, we were able to find and make connections with people that once we have additional clients and, and opportunities within the government, it'll be very easy for us to ramp up our human resources. Yes. And I would like to speak to my service with the National Contract Management Association. I became involved with NCMA very early in my career. One, because again, I had a a music degree and I needed to know what I didn't know. I needed to know who can help me and how they can help me be successful in this space. And so 
I am still a member of NCMA. I started as the secretary of the Tyson's chapter. I, I simply said, hey, I'm a new professional. How can I help? How can I get involved? And they said, we need a secretary. And as much as I do not like administrative operational work, I knew that it was my path to learn more and to grow. And so I served as secretary for three years and and improved in in that area to having served as president uh, last year for the chapter. During that time, I also was involved in their contract management leadership development program. And that really helped me to gain the confidence needed to be a small business owner and to, to be a leader within this community. And so from that I developed many relationships and they have been very fruitful to where we are in the business now. And we are hoping in that three to five year range where we're talking about how do we give back and and help other small businesses grow and have a path similar to ours, that will be because of my relationship and, and my service through NCMA is making sure that the growth continues. That's a terrific story in itself. Sometimes we need to push ourselves out of comfort zones. You took on a role that you maybe you didn't relish it, but you learned a lot and you have become the president of that chapter. Yes. Yeah, I was the immediate past president. I am the immediate past president. So my tenure ended in October of this year. And now I serve as the chair of the board of advisors. And it sounded like that was a terrific opportunity just to broaden your network and associations, which has to be so important to building a business. That kind of leads me to the next thing I wanted to ask you about. How did you get the word out in terms of marketing? Do you do marketing? What kind of outreach efforts do you have to advertise the business? So we recently just did a complete overhaul of our marketing and branding in which we redesigned our website, our capability statement, and created a LinkedIn page for the company. And so I would like to say I have a decent sized following on LinkedIn. And, and a lot of that stems from my relationships through the National Contract Management Association. And also some of my prior employer relationships, still staying in contact with those individuals and, and who I can now consider friends. And so we are in frequent communication via LinkedIn with our network Um, in marketing what we're doing. We just launched our website on Thanksgiving Day, actually. And so it's very new for us to be in this realm and having to market. And we did have assistance with that part of the process. And so this is something that we're growing in in this space, having to take on that responsibility. Being small business owners, you have to be prepared to do everything. And and we have jumped in and, and are working on that. You really do wear every hat. And, you know, this opportunity, having an interview like we're doing now that becomes a a little resource, a little asset that you can – this is shareable media. You can spread that link around, which uh, I don't know if you're detecting a strong hint that I would ask you to share this link around because it'll help you. It'll help people to get to know us as a podcast resource. But I, I appreciate that answer. And if you would, while you're mentioning the website, what is the URL it's www.marshallmadisoncompanies.com. That's Marshall, like Thurgood Marshall, Madison, like James Madison, companies, plural.com. And uh, I had no idea that you thought this was a marketing opportunity for us. We thought it was just informational. <laughs> Well, you know, all exposures with media can all be leveraged. So I would ask you to just spread it across your networks. If uh, you're on LinkedIn, if you're in various places, you you mentioned LinkedIn. I, I often start right at LinkedIn because obviously it's the 
ultimate professional network. And then it's fun to see things wind up on Twitter and in other places as people spread it further. Yes, we would be happy to do so. Uh, We specifically chose LinkedIn because that is primarily where our client base and our network conducts their networking opportunities. And so we think it's a, a great place to engage. Just ongoing conversations and different professional associations, they're all right there. What a resource. And the other thing that Jennifer mentioned earlier that we do is attending the different industry days and meeting with the offices of small business uh, utilization, as well as finding companies that are in your space. And particularly when you're doing work in the 8A set aside women owned small business realm, you find the great companies, the ones that are growing, they're going to outgrow those small business designations. And they're usually looking, the the good ones are looking for people that they can mentor or partners going forward. And so we've found three or four of those companies that we thought were were either people that Jennifer had relationships with or just companies we thought they were, you know, look like great companies to work for. And we said, hey, we'd like to work with you. And we've been fortunate that a couple of them have said, you know what, we think you guys have a lot to offer. And it's not been a situation where we're just like, hey, we're a budding 8A, please bring us on as a teaming partner. But it's hey, here's the value that we add. Here's the uh, relationships that we have. Here are the RFIs and RFQs that we're looking at. We want to partner on you, and here's the value we bring to the team. And I think people have really appreciated that. I imagine they do. Being a part of that community, that dialogue is so important to growing your business. I wanted to ask you, though, as a small woman-owned business, are there competition strategies that you use Do you team with other similar companies? How how does that work for you? So the first relationship I had in terms of getting our first real government contract was initiated by one of our partners. Her name is Fran Bishop, and she's with AFC Management Services. She had attended a training that I delivered years ago. I, I don't even know when. And she came back to me approximately two years after that training and asked that I help her facilitate a training at USDA. And so, yes, we do team with other women-owned small businesses. This is obviously a competitive space, but where there are relationships, there's opportunity. And we are engaging with women-owned small businesses, 8As, many service-disabled veteran-owned small businesses as well. So, you know, that is part of our strategy. We understand that the small business designations and socioeconomic categories are important to our clients. And so that is a part of our strategy as well. I think for us, we don't really think about other small businesses as competitors. And it's not out of sense of arrogance, but as a sense that the government is spending $450 billion a year. There's enough opportunities for everyone. We more look at companies that have similar values to ours, people that believe in honesty, They believe in partnership. They believe in delivering above and beyond what the customer is asking for. Those are the companies that we look to and say, okay, we want to work with those companies. One of the companies that we're working with right now, they don't talk about employees as much. They say they're family members and they have a profit sharing motive. And they look at this as a business, but really as an opportunity to help their employees provide for their families and to grow uh, their independence and financial wealth. That's how we think about it. And so whenever we find companies that are on the same wavelength, And from that standpoint, we want to figure out, are there ways in which we can partner or are there opportunities that we know of that may not fit for us, but may be good for you? And we want to help pass those along because small businesses really are the engine of our economy. And as we're particularly in this COVID environment, 
we need to figure out ways in which we can grow those small businesses, use the federal government as a resource and an opportunity to build those businesses. And if we can be helpful in that endeavor, then we definitely want to be a part of it. Yeah, I like that answer. I like what you said about how there's plenty of opportunity for everybody. There's really room for all. And I think as an entrepreneur, when you start with a mindset of abundance versus scarcity, it's a difference between that clawing your way to get your slice of the pie versus realizing the pie can be grown and there can be opportunity for all. And it's you're just a part of that process. Very, very different view of the world. And I think it's profound, uh, very important to an entrepreneur. So compliance is a subject. It's a necessary reality. We're hearing new things uh, every day. We're hearing about terms like CMMC. There's the growing need for cybersecurity in this world where all business is conducted online. What is your approach? What are your thoughts about satisfying compliance? So in terms of compliance within the federal marketplace, it's a necessary evil However, I'm confident that we are able to adequately manage our compliance requirements as a small business. I will say with the new CMMC, which is a cybersecurity maturity model certification that was issued by DOD, there are some concerns for small business in terms of how it impacts them. How will small business be able to bid on contracts where this is a requirement? How long and how much will it cost a small business to become certified? What are the resources available to small businesses? And so while this is a a new requirement to be compliant and to do business with the defense agencies, this is something that while I can't say we're adequately prepared for, we have been researching and trying to make sure that when the time is right for us to to start taking on DOD clients, we have actually um, scheduled a meeting in January with a company that has expertise in this area with the certification. And so they're going to help us along in terms of learning more about the certification, how it impacts us, what the preliminary costs might be, Do we need all five levels of the certification or is it just level one? So we are trying to get ahead of the curve from the small business standpoint so that we remain prepared to engage with DOD. I can imagine. It's another concern. It gets layered on to just doing business. And the best one can do sometimes is just to anticipate it as far in advance as you can so that you can adapt and be ready to still operate with that extra layered burden. Right. And we've taken that proactive approach to a lot of our business activities, um, especially with the the infrastructure and, and the back office things that you're, are needed to, to do business with the government. And we're taking that same approach to the CMMC certification. So, Jennifer, Richard, I want to thank you for being with me, first of all. As we close out, we're looking toward the finish line of 2020. This is a year for the record books, I think we would all agree. wanted to kind of get your feeling about uh, where you've come and gone this year and how you're feeling about the beyond. What does the future feel like to you? I totally agree with you. I think this has definitely been a year for the ages. And as we close out this year, I think one of the things that always stays true to me is reflecting on how the year went. And I am truly grateful for all of the relationships that we've made through this year during this time of growth for us, during this time of transition, not just with the business, but with our families, with the world. You know, 
this has been a difficult time for so many people. And so as we reflect on, on closing out the year and remembering kind of where we started, where we are, and, and looking to where we're going, I'm really excited about what is to come in 2021. We have a vaccine now, and I'm amazed at how quickly that has come. And, and I look forward to being able to rejoin all of my friends and family and colleagues in person in the new year and being able to, to continue in this business endeavor and execute in the ways that we need to and deliver a quality service to our clients. I'd also like to thank you for having us as part of the podcast. We really appreciate this opportunity to talk about our business and where we've gone, where we come from and where we're going. In college, there was a poem that I learned called Invictus. And one part of it said, out of the night that covers me, dark is the pit from pole to pole. I think whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. The great thing about America is that we're unconquerable. Yeah, this has been a really tough year. However, I can also say it's been a great year for us. We added to our family. We fully committed to our business. We met some incredible partners and we've had some opportunities open up for us that I think are going to take us, as I said, from being entrepreneurs to having an entrepreneurial enterprise. And so therefore, we're really looking forward to 2021, understanding that a lot of the foundation was set in 2020. And so as we think about the new normal, uh, we understand that you're going to have to have great partners and great clients and you as a small business are going to have to become a solution provider. And that's one of the things that we talk about in our training is that leaders come from within the organization at every level, but everyone has to be thinking critically about how do we resolve the needs and, and how do we meet the mission of our agency clients. And so that's the thing that we think about going forward is how do we, in this new normal, deliver the best service to our clients and how do we partner with the right team so that we can all deliver together and keep our country unconquerable. And so thank you again for inviting us to be a part of the podcast. Thank you. I love that answer. Small businesses are so vital to our economy and the strength of this partnership with small business and in the defense industrial base is so key to our national security. But I love the note of optimism. You know, 2020 was is still a half full glass to you. And you have only optimism toward the future. So what a wonderful note to end on. As uh, we're recording this, we're approaching Christmas. And I think this episode will be out by Christmas. And I hope we'll be having people listening to it perhaps as soon as then and into the new year. And I, I'm going to wish you both a, a very prosperous and successful new year. Jennifer and Richard, thank you so much for your time with All Things Small Business today. Thank you. Thank you, Anthony. This has been great and happy holidays to you and your family. All right. Take care, guys. Right, Thank you again. Right, you too. Thank to you. you. Bye-bye. This is Ken Karkoff once more. I want to thank our guests for participating in today's conversation. Your insights and perspectives will surely help our listeners. And an invitation to our listeners, if you'd like to participate as a guest in a future conversation, please reach out to me at kenneth.carcuff at dau.edu. Till next time, stay engaged and collaborate across your networks. Everyone's talents and skills are needed within the defense industrial base as we fulfill the national defense strategy together.